Hello, hello. Had uh, just a quick microphone check. Can you hear me? Uh, hopefully you can hear me. I can hear you, Tomas. I uh, was doing the uh, pandemic classic of talking on mute. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries at all. So we'll, we'll get started. We'll get started in a few minutes here. Um, but it's good to see. It's good to see you on. Uh, hey, hey, Octavia. Hey, Russell. Hey, Katie. Oh, we've got everybody joining. I guess that's what happens when you start this room up a little bit uh, closer to the start time, which is uh, which is good. Um, the reason for that is because we are actually we have replays on. So I figured, why not? Uh, why join a little bit closer to the start time? That way, people don't have to listen to. 15 minutes of banter um so they'll just listen to five minutes of banter anyways uh just a quick microphone check there russell and octavia how are you doing yes hey tomas heather octavia katie great to be back looking forward to this evening all right all right i am good i'm good just still working unfortunately that's what happens when you have back back meetings up until 5 30. Yeah, no, I, I I hear you. I I was uh, I was dealing with traffic, right, trying to rush home to uh, to be able to jump on a call. So I'm glad I made it. It is 7:55 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you, folks in the audience who have just joined us or listened in for the past few minutes. We will get started promptly at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Heather, thank you for uh, for one agreeing to do this. It should be a fun fun evening this evening. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm counting on it. I've got my glass of wine, and this is going to be a fun time just chatting. Oh, awesome! <laughs> got the wine going. That's good. That's going to be. That makes it for an even better conversation. <laughs> well, as long as you have your, you're sitting by your fireplace as well. This is a fireside chat. I am in Austin, and so <laughs> I don't know. We have had it going a couple of times this year, but luckily we've had a much milder winter than what we experienced last year and what we've all locally dubbed Snowmageddon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do remember that last year. Um, yeah, you actually did get some snow. But I always feel like my friends in Austin are like, it's so chilly, it's 55, I'm sitting by the fire. And here I am, it's negative <laughs> you know, three in Chicago. Today. Ouch. I am that person. Yeah. <laughs> I have a safe that follows me everywhere. Uh, I named him Wally after the beloved Disney film and he's my constant companion. So <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Uh, right. Just want to quickly get, I want to give a shout out to, to Tom who's in the audience, Tom Ryan. Uh, if you guys don't tune into Tom's sort of uh, security mindset conversations, you, you're missing out on really good topics. Uh, he talks. Uh, I, I, anyways, you're missing out on a lot of good topics. You, my advice to you is follow Tom, follow and join his uh, his conversations. Katie's usually on there. Katie, I don't know if you were on there today, but I, I was on there while I was sort of driving home. Um, so I don't I don't usually get to participate on those calls because I'm in my car. And and I know Tom knows that, even though he was uh he was saying a few things earlier today that I don't I don't know, Tom. I don't know. No hacking of the cameras, okay, buddy? No no camera hacking, no no other system hacking, please. We're trying to uh, have a great, great, great event. 
Uh, Tom knows what I'm talking about. Um, in any event. <laughs> well, and I, if it, I can say something too, I want to concur next week's uh, guest as well too, right? Oh, Tom is, yeah, Tom is actually, he is absolutely yeah, next week. I thought guest. I'd call that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, uh, I know, that would be awesome. And to yeah. your point, I have had the um, privilege of being able to spend a lot of hours with Tom in the Security Mindset Club rooms. Um, and it's, I am so excited for for next week. So I just thought it, he's in the room, just thought I'd point out he actually is our guest next week as well. So. Yeah, and, and uh, he was complaining. He was complaining earlier today, uh, saying that he was going to be pulling a marathon back-to-back -back rooms because he had to do his and then he had to do ours. I, I'm joking. He wasn't complaining. He was, he was just... Uh, uh, promoting as well. So look, it's going to be a great conversation next week. Uh, I'm sure. Um, so it is 7:58 PM Eastern time. We'll give a few moments for, for some of the moderators uh, or the rest of the moderators to, to join us. Um, uh, while we do that, I just want to quickly go over a few sort of housekeeping items. If you are new to our fireside chat, uh, there's a little greenhouse on the top left of your screen. Uh, it, it looks like a little green monopoly house. You can click that house and uh, join our fireside chat club. That'll, what that what does that do? Um, well, really what it does, it allows you to see who our next guests are. So you can kind of scroll through and see uh, the upcoming guests and, and you can add the, uh, the event to your calendar. So uh, obviously join the club uh, if you haven't already and, uh, and you will be alerted to, uh, to, uh, to who our next guests are. Um, we have a very basic rules. Uh, rule number one, and, and I, I don't want to call it rules, but I'll call it guardrails for the for the fireside chat. Right? One is let's have fun. Let's have a really good discussion. It's the middle of the week. We've all had long days. Uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, we've got we, we're halfway through the week, and and uh, you know this should be a free flowing, candid conversation. Uh, enjoy and get to know our guests. Um, and I'll say. Let's get to know our guests more from a from a personal standpoint. Let's learn about their journey, uh, you know, their origin story, where they, how did they get to where they where they are today, um, and what sort of inspires and motivates them. Uh, so really use this as an opportunity to do that. Uh, if you want to jump on stage, we will open up the room after about thirty to forty minutes or so of us asking our guests questions. We will, we will open it up for the audience to sort of raise your hand. You can pop up on stage and ask a question. Uh, we ask that you please, 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 please do not jump on stage to sell us on your product, your solution. I do know that our guest is the CISO at SailPoint. We're not really going to be talking about SailPoint. Uh, uh, this is not really intended to, to be a salesy sort of uh, event. Uh, it's really to get to know Heather. And, 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 and as I mentioned, get to know her and her journey and what is she struggling with? What is she reading, right? Things like that. So let's really use this as a conversation uh, to get to know our guests more on a more, uh, I'll, sorry, I'll say non-work related, if you will, right? Um, uh, so please keep your, uh, your great ideas, your great products, uh, pitches, uh, maybe for not this discussion, for another discussion um, at a later date. And then um, I think I hit all the ground rules, right? All the, all the guardrails. Did I get them all, Russell or Katie? Did I miss one? Yeah, there are. And then some people may be able to speak just for themselves and not for their companies. But yeah, that's it. It's like it's like a machine. You, you crank out the rules, you set expectations, and make sure we have a good time every Wednesday night. That's right. And, and thanks for that, Russell. So most of us, our comments and opinions are our own and do not represent our current or prior employers. So please keep that in mind. Anyways, without further ado, it is 8.01 p.m. Eastern time. We're happy to be here. Uh, Heather, we're going to go around the room and introduce ourselves. We'll, we will leave you for last. Um, 
So I'm going to start. I'm Tomas Maldonado. I am the CISO for a major sports and entertainment league. Actually, probably the largest sports and entertainment league across the globe. Yep, I'll go on record in saying that. Octavia, over to you. Sure. My name is Octavia Howell. I am the CISO for Equifax Canada. And hey, everybody, Russell Eubanks here, former CISO for the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Last couple of years, been uh, doing some consulting, a lot more teaching with SANS and working with uh, a bunch of cool companies. And tell you, if you don't have Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time already on your schedule, the speakers change, but we're always here. We're always eager to share and be able to learn from each other. You're missing out and highly encourage you to do that. Katie, over to you. Hi, good evening. I'm Katie Hanahan. I am the VP of Cybersecurity Strategy um, for NSI out of Chicago um, and also a VCSO and run our VCSO program. So looking forward to a really uh, great conversation tonight, Heather. Welcome uh, to the stage. And Heather, without further ado, so Heather is the is the CISO at SailPoint. Heather, I'll give you a moment to introduce yourself. And while, while you're going through your, your sort of introduction, you know, I always like to ask the, the this first question, and it's about your origin story. So why don't you spend some time telling us about you and your origin story, you know, and what sort of motivates you. So I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, thanks, Tomas. And, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we've got the green light to inter interwine the personal and the work, because, you know, I think where we land ourselves in our career is very much so based upon who we are and our background. And so my origin story, well, I... I grew up in a in a, a small northeast Texas town um, with no uh, no, no real uh, people to look up to as uh, from the perspective of you know corporate lifestyle right <laughs> like um, definitely my uh, uh, I had some exposure to some really scrappy entrepreneurs and um, hardworking people uh, but my I definitely didn't foresee myself in, in corporate America growing up. And in fact, um, I, um, like many small town girls, um, uh, ended up in, uh, engaged very young and became a teen mom. And so at 19, I found myself as a teen mom and I was always a really good student. I graduated a year early from high school and was trying to figure out how to make college work as a single mom. And it wasn't. <laughs> so um, I joined the military. And um, uh, the US Army Reserves offered me uh, an opportunity to get some training and some transferable job skills like a, a security clearance and um, training on how to be an intelligence analyst and um, offered to pay me to go to school, right? So I went and I did my training and um, I came back and finished my degrees. I, I got an undergrad in sociology, which is, once again, does not point to the path of technology whatsoever, but I was so thankful for that experience and so passionate about sociology um, because it really strips down your ego um, and forces you to think of, of everybody um, in a different light. Um, but I ultimately did some calculations, right? I was like, well, I need to get a really strong, financially stable career for me and my daughter. Um, and so I ended up doing a master's degree in technology management. I was so scared, you guys. <laughs> I was not the person 
that had spent time uh, tearing apart computers and putting them back together or even playing a bunch of computer games. I was not a computer person, um, but I knew that technology, like many of your guests on the podcast today, um, offered me a path to stability. And that was really, really attractive. And so I entered that program and um, in my last semester got picked up by Booz Allen Hamilton uh, to be a government contractor for the Air Force. And I initially got picked up for a contract where I was helping Air Force Real Property Agency uh, to define their IT governance and their IT business requirements for information sharing platforms such as SharePoint and helping to administer those platforms. Uh, but I just so happened to luck out in that there was an, uh, a government contract position with Booz Allen that opened up for a cyber threat intelligence analyst role at Air Force Cyber Command, which was in San Antonio, which is where I was at at the time. And so they said, hey, Heather, <laughs> You got trained as, you know, an all-source threat intelligence analyst for the, the Army, and we know that's more ground warfare specific and geopolitical, uh, but you also have this master's degree in tech management, so we're hoping you can figure out cyber threat intel really quickly. <laughs> they said, will you interview with the government civilian hiring for the role and see if you make the, make the cut? I said, Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and so I did an interview with this government civilian. His name is Patrick Grant, and I'll never forget him. He's the kindest, gentlest man I've ever met and so sharp. <laughs> and uh, he saw something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself and took a chance on me. And he really um, uh, took me in under his wing and uh, helped train me. And uh, he helped coach me on things like my worth uh, in the, the field and made sure that I was aware of it when, you know, difficult, you know, discussions around salary came up and everything. He was just, he was a wonder. And I really loved that position, not only because of him, but because uh, cyber threat intelligence is a really great area to get started in cyber. And the reason is because you're reading all of this threat reporting every single day. And so you're learning about threat activity and how threat actors technically execute their attacks. And so I was just writing down word after word every day to go Google later and make sure I understood all the concepts I was reading. And after a couple of years of that and doing reporting up to the Pentagon, I said, I think I'm ready for a more technical hands-on role. Like, I feel comfortable with this, and I'm ready for a new challenge. So at that time, uh, Cyber Command was setting up what they were called cyber protection teams. And these were specialized kind of fusion cells that did both offensive and defensive missions. And I asked to get moved to one of those because... I wanted to see operations in real life. And so that was really cool because I got to do hands-on reverse uh, engineering of malware or um, host-based and network-based intrusion analysis or helping to uh, plan threat 
hunting missions or red team missions. And so it was a really wide array of exposure of how threat intelligence can get integrated um, and extracted from all of these different operator roles. Um, I loved that, that role. But shortly after, I got referred to ENY. And at the time, ENY was working to build out their cyber threat intelligence service offering. And um, a, a friend referred me to the, the senior manager building out the practice and said, Heather is really good at threat intel. You should bring her on board. And my first, my first role was for a Fortune 50 manufacturing firm <laughs> that had been uh, sold an entire SOC build to include a threat intel program that was of course going to do all of the fancy things like predictive analytics and all of this and they said heather go build it <laughs> and so um i did and that was a, a really fun experience um figuring out the nuances and how uh, right sizing operations for the military versus commercial sector which is very different um and all in all, I spent five years at ENY. I traveled across the country meeting like multiple players at Fortune 100s. And um, I just kept raising my hand to take on something new. So I started with building out cyber threat intel programs. And then I said, you know what? I think I could build out an active defense program, which is what we were calling it at the time, which is focused on proactive threat hunting and hardening um, against uh, threat intelligence, um, like indicators of compromise and all of that. Um, and so I did that and I said, wait, I think I can build out a whole sock. <laughs> and so I, I would always tell my EY manager at the time, like, will you look for an engagement for me to do this? And they would inevitably find one. And so then I got to build out some security operations centers and some cyber exercise programs, and um, then got involved in some of the biggest banks in America helping build out their cyber resilience programs, which was something they're really on the, um, they've been leading the way for, you know, planning for these worst case cyber triggered business disasters, or in the case of financial sector, they're really entire industry disasters, potentially. And so the, the concept is to connect your security operations center to uh, uh, typical business enterprise resilience functions like disaster recovery, business continuity, crisis management, PR, legal, and making sure everybody's aligned on the work streams, decisions, um, and resources needed to coordinate and execute a response in the event of ransomware or network down scenarios or anything like that. So that was really thrilling. Um, but about that time, I raised my hand and I said, you know what, I want to focus on an entire cybersecurity program. <laughs> and so my poor manager, I just kept wearing him out. Um, but he found me an engagement. Um, Steve Ward had just gotten to the Home Depot and wanted some big four consultants to come in and help assess the current state maturity of the program, design the overarching strategy based off of the findings in the current state, and then re redesign the organization and um, get the project management office set up to execute. So I did that, it ended up turning into like a three month long job interview, which was really stressful. 
Um, but he ended up hiring me in 2019 to lead his um, security operations and cyber resilience team. We grew that team from 33 to 150 um, in less than two years. And so I was leading half of his organization and operating in a WCSO capacity. Um, when I, I got reached out to by an executive recruiter about a confidential CISO opportunity in Austin. And at that time I was living in Austin and um, CISO opportunities weren't very common in Austin. We don't have a huge CISO community here. Um, so, or at least at that time we didn't. Uh, so I did entertain that discussion and found out that the hiring manager was Grady Summers at SailPoint, and that my boss at Home Depot knew him. And I've been so lucky to have these managers um, throughout my career who I could speak openly to about my career ambitions, where I say, you know, I want to get put on a different type of engagement, or I want a new challenge, um, to where I knew I could tell Steve that, hey, this opportunity came about. And I had told him about other opportunities before, and he would say, no, you're too good for that. <laughs> Uh, but this one, he said, no, that's a great, that's a great opportunity. And I know Grady and I'll give him a call. And so that's how I ended up here. <laughs> and that's kind of my origin story. Oh, that's great. That's great. There's so much there to, to unpack. And I, I, I think you really set us off to, to be able to, to get, to dig in a little bit deeper on certain areas there. So um, really, really interesting background. Uh, if you just joined us, it's, it's 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to ask Heather a few more questions. Let her drink some, some wine. I was going to say water. Let her drink some more wine uh, <laughs> or, 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 or red water, we'll call it, for, the, for the, this evening. And then, Octavia, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, it's actually just fruit juice. She's having a fruit salad right now. <laughs> very healthy. Very healthy. No. <laughs> Heather, your, uh, your origin story is awesome. And one of the things that I noticed, and you, I think you called it out, is that you always have been able to kind of speak up. Um, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit and kind of, you know, what, figure out where did that come from? Um, where do you think that you had the ability? Because you said when you went did your master's degree, you were you were scared. So mm -hmm. most people are scared to speak, speak up. So how were you afraid of a master's degree, but you were able to navigate and move around everywhere else? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think that um, it's important for us to all remember that you never know how impactful little words of encouragement are to people. So like, I know it sounds silly or minute, but having people around me respond to my performance and provide me words of encouragement um, built that confidence over time. It was, it was not internally built. It was built by kind people that, um, you know, recognize and uh, acknowledge contributions, right? And and that when you're having a hard time, tell you that it's normal to have a hard time and, and that you're doing great navigating it. So um, all the people that gave those little words of encouragement helped. Um, but also, I think um, particularly while I was with, at EMY and um, particularly working for, for Steve, um, when you have the opportunity to really um, get to know your manager, 
um, when your manager spends time, um, you know, doing brainstorming sessions with you um, and uh, just one-on-one or taking you out for um, dinner and drinks and talking about real life, you know, and not just about work, you kind of start seeing each other in the light as a whole person, not just a person that works for me. Right. And um, I, I feel like um, my leadership invested that time in getting to know me and I got to know them to where we could view each other as whole people and talk about our aspirations and dreams and goals, whether it meant working for them on their project still or somebody else's project or somebody else's company. No, that's actually awesome. So it's just like just the encouragement. And so, you know, a lot of times in this industry, I feel like, you know, and I'm not sure where it comes from, but I feel like sometimes people aren't necessarily getting their encouragement that they need. Um, where do you do, you, you know, where do you think or what to you, what would be a good leadership trait or something that would actually help? And kind of developing those who are maybe just coming into the industry um, and maybe need a little bit of either encouragement or getting to know people or like, what do you think just a good trait for that leadership is? I, I let me speak in like tangible uh, experiences that stood out to me. Right. Um, one time James Philippi at ENY wrote me a handwritten letter. Like <laughs> I still have it. Uh, That meant meant a lot to me. Or at ENY, we had challenge coins like you do in the military. And they would issue you those challenge coins with a handshake in front of everybody at our all hands, you know. Or we would have, um, you know, spot bonuses uh, for a job well done and occasionally would get get one of those with a nice note on why, you know. Um, I had... uh, uh, a leader um, uh, stay an extra hour after a client meeting with me one time and I asked for feedback and he gave me feedback um, that helped build my courage. He said, you have a lot of good ideas and you didn't, you didn't say them in the meeting. And uh, I, I know why it's because some of the message is hard to hear because it means that client needs to fix something but never apologize for a good idea. Um, and that stood out to me. Or I had um, I had a manager who, um, my brother was in a horrible car accident and um, he just sat there and let me cry on the phone to him. Uh, and uh, then he, he sent a walker for my, uh, brother's rehab, you know, like it's moments like these that uh, really, really stand out in people um, for their whole life. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that is, and I think that's something that all of us can kind of take away and kind of, you know, build up our leadership muscle in as well. Thank you, Heather, for sharing that. Yeah, Russell, thanks for the question. 
Thank you, Octavia. Heather, it's such a delight to have you here. I've been writing down things that you've been saying, and I think I need another page. Uh, it's just so, so rich. And first of all, you know, thanks for your service to our country and all the thing, the, the journey that you've done uh, from teen mom to CISO, uh, and then some weaves and bobs along the way uh, to get yeah. there is just uh, inspiring uh, and, and extraordinary. So that, that's uh, just, just mega impressed there. And I love that theme you said over and over again you said i raised my hand that it was very encouraging to me to hear that and i'm sure for the audience to say that you know you decided to be brave you decided to take action and uh, the results you have uh, they're just just extraordinary my, my question uh, for you uh, is you talked about it governance um, mm -hmm. do you see a place where us as cybersecurity leaders or people that want to be cybersecurity leaders can you know, apply that or lean into that a little bit more and, and maybe describe what some of the benefits would be uh, of that uh, security or IT governance? Oh, yes. Um, so IT governance affects so much of our daily lives as cybersecurity practitioners, whether we know it or not, right? So um, I think about uh, what what we call IT front door process at SailPoint or what might be called application onboarding or architectural review type board at other companies where um, go or no-go decisions are made, you know, to um, uh, approve the usage of certain applications or systems. Um, and understanding the criteria that they use for that and plugging into that process is, is so important. Having mutually defined service level agreements uh, for um, services that are cross-dependent between cybersecurity and IT is so important because it helps us speak in a quantitative way about demand planning, right? Um, at the end of the day, cybersecurity resources are limited just like our partners' resources are limited. And cybersecurity professionals every single day have to make trade-offs on where to put their time and how to prioritize it. And we have to help our partners do that. And, and having um, strong shared metrics um, on those cross-team dependencies really, really helps with that. Um, and then change management, right? Ensuring that we're all aligned on the change man management processes. So that way, if security makes changes, IT trusts the hygiene to those changes. Aligning on what the break glass plan is, if you need to roll back that change, right? There's so many interconnections between IT and security um, and uh, how IT is governed that I think it takes it, it it's a uh, high return to take some time to understand. Wow, that's fantastic. Let me ask a, a, just a follow-up question to that. It'll be my last one uh, for now. Do you think that uh, uh, cyber, us in cyber are a little bit behind or ahead or on the same schedule as being mature or leaning into that topic of governance? Do you think that's new to us or, um, hmm. or, or kind of the same? Or what, what would you suggest? I... I think that um, my personal experience is that I think that uh, security tends to take an attitude of this is a security matter and you need to get it done. And we don't take enough interest in how 
IT works day to day. Um, and that when we do take that interest, we're able to better speak their language and help equip them to make the business cases they need to support us. Um, and I do find that security is always going to be the one pushing on the maturity of IT for those areas we depend on them, right? So whether it be patch management, asset management, identity security, if that's where the identity program sits, um, those are some heavy heavy dependencies to the success of cybersecurity. And um, they're, they're not necessarily uh, areas where um, uh, IT is going to organically mature to the level that we need them. And so being able to communicate our requirements through partnership and, um, uh, you know, speak their language on how they can help integrate it into their operations goes a long way as opposed to kind of the the stick route where we just say you just need to do it. <laughs> wow, uh, that that's mind-blowing. I'm so glad I followed up on that. And thank you. Thank you so much. Katie, over to you. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've been taking some notes too. And um, yeah, I really, uh, I align with you on some of the things from your early origin story. And um, one of the things I wanted to kind of hone in on a little bit um, is the small Texas town. I'm a small town in Illinois girl. Um, and what you said about um, never foreseeing this to be your life. The fact yeah. that I'm sitting here talking to you and with this group of people, I'm always just tickled to death. I have moments all the time where I just think, how did I get here? from my small town in Illinois to this place. Um, we're always looking for diverse talent. And um, I love the way that you found your way through the reserves um, based on your own set of experiences. And by the way, I graduated early from high school too. So uh, I was like, oh, yes. yeah, and I was a mom at 21, not 19. But point is, I also was getting, figuring out how do you get through college and um, all mm -hmm. those things. So I, I identified with you and appreciated that um, uh, part of your journey. Um, but really just thinking about, you know, you continued to be able to have these opportunities. Um, you mentioned a lot of really great, um, experiences where you were able to have mentors and feel like you could raise your hand, um, leaning into all these different types of programs as well. Um, so first, I, I almost just really wanted to call out the fact that, you know, I love that um, people who are in positions of leadership saw something in you. Um, that was my experience as well. And I want to remind everyone in the room that is in uh, you know, positions of leadership that sometimes it does take, you know, somebody leaning in and just saying, I see something in this person that I believe in, you know, to kind of set the trajectory. Um, but you mentioned all of these amazing programs that you built, um, and especially like kind of the transition from working with the, you know, DOD. And by the way, I also worked with the DOD for uh, eight years in my career, the first eight years of my career. So I, I transitioned from developing programs for um, the Department of Defense then to mm -hmm. you know, how does that translate into Fortune 500? Yeah companies um i guess you have so many different programs is there one thing that you're most proud of um that you built yourself and i i imagine it could be the whole cybersecurity program or it could be something one of your first wins but i'd love to hear more about that yeah oh my goodness uh i feel like that's like picking a child right? <laughs> you know because every time you build a program you just you know you, it's like a baby almost um <laughs> Uh, but I, I think that I'm so far most proud 
of what we've been able to accomplish where I'm at right now. Um, and the reason being is I've we've been able to grow the team here at Cellpoint um, by 250% in less than a year. And um, they've, uh, I, we worked so hard last year to align across all the services and security to be able to define the priorities for this year that we now find ourselves in. Um, and it was such a collaborative process. I've got a team that really puts their egos aside and is focused on passion to do the right thing for securing the business. And that, uh, that makes discussions that have been, you know, pretty much all out brawls at other places around prioritizing resources and what are we going to, you know, allocate these funds to, um, it, those discussions weren't almost not even discussions here. So by October, by September of last year, we were all aligned on the priorities for the next two years. Um, and uh, we entered budgeting conversations in a, a unified front with optionality for our senior executive team on how they wanted to accelerate the program, right? And uh, we, we landed in a beautiful spot where we are all feeling supportive and can get our priorities done. There were some things that had to be, you know, moved to next year, but we were all aligned about it and there were no hurt feelings. And I know that sounds small, but I've been at places where was there for two years and never got aligned on priorities. <laughs> so to have you know, brought together a brand new team between February and September of last year and to have already been aligned on the next two years priorities. Um, I was really proud of that. Well, I can, I can see why, uh, that's an incredible, um, it's an incredible story. And it's, um, it, it's, it's rare. Um, fundamentally, a lot of us feel like we, you know, we're doing the right thing to support the business. Um, but the fact that you have a team that you are able to lead into being able to put their egos aside leads me also to believe that is, is it a, a it's kind, of, kind of a culture question? Do you feel like, um, or just some tips on how to create that kind of culture? Um, it doesn't happen. Um, I know it's maybe hiring the right people or, um, but a lot of that is building that culture. So do you have any uh, tips on how you're able to provide an environment where doing the right thing for the business and setting egos aside just becomes so natural for your, your team. That's really very intuitive. And I would like to take credit for that fully, but I did walk into a company uh, where our CEO has written a book on joy and success at work. And one of the things he starts the book off with was we don't hire or tolerate smart jerks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was like, right on, you know, we've all kind of dealt with that person in our career, right? Um, and so I was pretty thrilled about that. And sure enough, I, I got here and, um, you know, there's some, from a security perspective, you always have to deliver a message of we need to be doing more, right? Because we always need to be doing more because the adversary is always doing more. 
And a lot of times that's a uphill conversation on talk on arguing the why, right? I've not once had to argue the why here. Everybody here is very collaborative. Um, we talk about timing, we talk about prioritization, but we're never arguing the why. And then to, to your point also, um, I, I hired people um, who are empathetic. And to me, like, that's the most important thing that you can be. Um, I, like, growing up, I, my, my mom was an addict. Um, and not everybody knew that because um, I lived with my grandmother during the week and visited her on the weekend. And um, sometimes people didn't understand my disposition or why something was hard for me. Um, and, and then going to high school, I ended up graduating early just because girls are so mean, <laughs> you know? And so like very early on, it was programmed into me that like em empathy is like the most important trait you can have. Like, just don't ever assume that, you know, what somebody's going through, you know? Oh, such great advice. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, uh, that insight. Um, uh, I will, uh, uh that, that was my final question. I'll pass the mic over to Steven. Thank you, Heather. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thanks, Katie. Uh, hi, Heather. Uh, sorry if I missed the intros. I came in uh, a little late as it was evident that the camera was about to start panning around in this movie and show the cape that you were wearing when you were talking about cyber threat intelligence. Um, <laughs> right, right. I, look, I, I'm Steven Garcia. I'm the VP of cybersecurity at FanDuel. Uh, my thoughts are my own, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I imagine Tomas already put all those disclaimers out. Mm -hmm. uh, First of all, thank you for your service. Uh, like I, I really do encourage people to to hire service members as, as best they could. Um, I, one of my direct reports is, is a major in the 261st Cyber Operations Squadron um, for the National Guard, California National Guard. I'm definitely thinking you guys are going to want to exchange notes. Um, yeah. But I do think that she'd want me to ask the following question. So, um, how much of what you saw in, in, in service applied or, or shifted your perspective for what you see in the private sector, um, not including challenge coins? <laughs> yeah. Because um, I think it, I think it would be helpful for, for people in our roles, in particular in leadership, uh, to, to, to be in a better position to understand what it is that we may need to do different to try to hire more service members. Uh, so anything you can shed some light on there would be super helpful. Yeah, um, I have a few different angles to approach that response. So let me start with one of them. Um, the first is that service members who especially who've operated in cybersecurity for the military or government um, are used to an entirely different scale. So I remember, for example, as a threat intel analyst, we had threat intelligence teams at the strategic level, the operational level and the tactical level. Um, and at each level, there were analysts dedicated to an entire country, right? So you had full coverage of the globe. Um, that is not transferable scale, right? For, um, you know, even some of the most uh, elite uh, security operations centers within financial sector, right? Um, so I think the first thing is like um, military service members, um, transitioning into commercial sector have to rethink scale entirely. Um, and that's 100% achievable. It just takes some uh, willingness to be in discovery mode on what good looks like instead of assuming, right? 
Um, the second thing is like military service members, when they transfer, they're going to bring a lot of awesome things. Um, and I say that because, um, military, uh, teaches you not to leave anybody behind. The military teaches you to understand what's going on in your service member's life, uh, because that affects their psychology and their ability to perform under stress. And so I don't know if we think about that enough in commercial sector, like, what is this person's ability to perform under stress right now, right? Like, are we really thinking about that? Um, and what home factors are contributing to that calculation? Because a military member is going to be thinking about it that way. They're also going to be thinking about things in terms of single point of failure. You get drilled that into your head in the military, like no single point of failure. And so the the way um, that translated to me in commercial sector is documentation is key. Like I want anybody uh, service um, in the cybersecurity program, let's say vulnerability management. I want that uh, onboarding guide for their service documented to a T. I want them to have a service manual that clearly outlines uh, how it is they go about things from an operating model and an interaction model and racy perspective. Um, I want all the process and procedures and playbooks documented, right? Um, that way you don't have single point of failure based off of personality um, that becomes a linchpin, right? Because you don't have the documentation to rotate that personality out. Um, so I think that's that's some of what I would bring up in response to that question. Yeah, the, the, you hit some interesting points there because I, I, I'm trying to think of why the consideration toward personnel life isn't as intense in commercial as it is in, in service. Uh, but I, I think you hit it there because it is a factor in how people perform, right? Mm -hmm. I think in, in the commercial sector, you're kind of used to this, um, yeah, okay, I don't have to like the person, but just work with them and, you know, we'll just keep it at bare minimum. But from an operational readiness and security perspective, it, it does make sense. So thank you for that highlight. Um, yeah, thank you for I, yeah, of course. Uh, I will pass it on to Lisa. Hello, hello. Um, it's time for our friendly room reset. Uh, my name is Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. I am the CEO of Lumen Worldwide Endeavors, which is a compliance, ethics, and corporate governance firm. You are currently listening to the Fireside Chat with Heather tonight. We are here every week on Wednesdays from 8 p.m. Eastern to 9.30 p.m. Eastern, generally. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to just take a moment to say, if you haven't clicked on uh, the fireside chat, the little house up at the top so that you can join the club and get notices about when these happen, now's your time to do that. Uh, we'll continue with some of the moderator's questions, and then we're going to open it up for everybody who is in the crowd to ask their own questions. Um, first of all, Heather, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You have an incredible story. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is um, as you think about um, total well-being for your, um, uh, your, your reports and for you personally, what are the things that you're doing and are they different now than they were pre-pandemic? Mm, that, that's a good question. Um, so uh, I think definitely uh, pre-pandemic, we were not under the same 
pressure cooker levels um, that we are now. And there's lots of reasons for that. There's because um, there's expanded attack surface in this new, not just bring your own device environment, but bring your own environment environment, right? Like there is no perimeter anymore. Um, but also because uh, working from home uh, takes a certain level of discipline and emotional quotient to be able to set boundaries for oneself than working from the office does. Um, so something that I do different now is uh, no meeting days and weeks. <laughs> this just gets a little uh, contentious depending on who you're talking to, but but my team loves it. We we don't do meetings on Tuesdays and we don't do meetings from 10 to noon central on Thursdays. Um, and that ensures everybody has time to get their actual work done because I don't want people, unless we're in some, you know, temporary sprint having to work nights and weekends, which is the norm for some places. Um, and then we do a quarterly no meeting week to ensure that people are getting ample time to focus on their development or to focus on um, strategic planning or to focus on progress, right? They get to choose how they use that time in alignment with their manager. So I think that helps a lot. Um, the other thing that I do to try to take care of people is I really get uh, nosy about um, what is available to me resource-wise from my employer. And I find that a lot of people don't. Like, I am totally, I'm like the coupon clipper of, uh, you know, um, uh, corporate benefits. Like, I want to know exactly what is available to me to help take care of my associates, right? So, uh, like, for example, I just found out that at SailPoint, we offer this thing called Sail Away Days. And it's for uh, employees that are having burnout, they get sent to a Marriott at, at, in their hometown, hometown or nearby. They get a gift certificate for a nice meal and a basket with like things for relaxation just to help them curve off burnout. And so like, but a lot of people in the company don't necessarily know about it because, you know, there's information overload in every company right now. So you have to kind of like be proactive and talking to your HR team, talking to your corporate culture team and like making sure that you understand, you know, okay, what's the process for issuing spot bonuses? If I want to give them a bonus for like really doing some amazing work or uh, what's uh, what are the resources for when somebody's having a hard time? Like at some point we have a corporate chaplain, you know, and we have like um, other health benefits um, that can help with getting connected with the therapist quickly. So like get nosy about the benefits. And then lastly, get nosy in people's lives. <laughs> like, um, you know, as, uh, I don't ever start getting nosy in somebody's life without like telling them like some stuff I've got going on, right? Like um, my husband has bipolar and today I, I told some teammates like this has been a, a hard week for us at the house, you know what I mean? And um, I find that when I open up about those vulnerabilities and challenges, like other people around me will open up as where like I can more easily be nosy and like take care of them. <laughs> so I, cause I want, I want those details to be able to factor into like, what's their ability to perform under pressure right now. Heather, who's the HR rep that I need to speak to for the sale? Right. <laughs> right. 
Oh, was was that only for for sale point employees? Because I, I want to call call that person tomorrow. Exactly, is, yeah. she's amazing. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm I'm jealous. I also have Enya's Orinoco flow like on constant like replay right now. Sail away, sail away. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, I love that you have like a couple of things that are really remarkable um, that you got this concept of kind of deep work and that those focus days, I think is so helpful and purposeful. And I'm totally impressed with the like coupon clipping. Like I want to put that into my uh, bag of tricks, the coupon <laughs> clipping of knowing what's available so that you can help people understand and navigate those resources. I mean, that's invaluable. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, for sure. And Hussein, I think you're up next. Uh, good evening. I'm the CISO here at Robert Wood Johnson Healthcare System, the conversations and opinions are mine. I wasn't sure if Mr. Maldonado gave us the official disclaimer tonight as I was late. Apologies for that. Uh, so Heather, SailPoint is a, at a rapid growth at this moment. Um, I've been working with SailPoint for some years, so I kind of know. And you guys are venturing into the cloud and I have an on-prem product. Do you get involved with the product strategy? And if so... How do you balance that being an inward and an outward CISO for an organization? Yeah, well, uh, first, I think it's an important exercise to think through, like, your your return on management time, right? What, what, are gonna, what efforts are going to return the highest um, from your investment of your time, right? And so... For me, that's three main things. Um, my role and my time is split uh, essentially 30, 30, 30. Um, the first 30% is client-facing engagement. Um, I extend myself as a, an executive um, sponsor uh, to customers or prospective customers to ensure that they have a practitioner who understands their seat and their pressures so that way if they're having any challenges or want better alignment that they can talk to me. Um, the second is <clears throat> obviously leading the corporate and product security at SailPoint, but the third is also um, uh, product roadmap engagement and advisory. And so those are the three main ways that I spend my time. Um, I get engaged um, pretty seamlessly with product roadmap simply by nature of who I work with. So Grady Summers, he, he was a CISO in his uh, prior career journey. So um, he was CISO of GE and also has a Mandiant background. Our chief technology officer, Asanka Jayasuriya, he um, has had CISOs report to him um, in his past. And so I am blessed to um, report to somebody and work along somebody that understands my role and knows when to engage me. In fact, there's times when our chief technology officer um, suggests my engagement before it occurs to me. 
<laughs> so I find that incredibly unique. Um, it's certainly not been my experience everywhere, but I think those are important things to look for when you're looking for the right role is what is this person that I'm reporting to or my peers that I'm going to be dependent on? What is their experience with engaging or leading security? Um, because it can make your life a whole lot easier um, if they have that experience. Um, so, yeah, that's how I would answer that. Uh, thank you for those insights. Over to you, David. Hello, uh, David Katz. Happy to be joining everybody today. Uh, former regulator, so disclaimer still holds that, you know, any opinion <laughs> expressed is mine. <laughs> it doesn't represent that of the Federal Reserve, uh, as well as any advice given today doesn't represent legal advice. Uh, so I'm currently senior partner running a digital assets practice uh, for law and forensics. But Heather, you know, thanks for joining us today. Your, your story is amazing. So I was thinking that, you know, you talked about how, you know, quickly this you know, team gelled compared to some of your other experiences. What other big differences have you noticed going from kind of the professional services uh, to a, a pure technology company? Mm, yeah, it went from professional services to retail to technology. So it's been quite, um, uh, quite a variance and experience. Um, Professional, when I was in professional services at ENY, uh, the main sectors that I uh, consulted were technology and financial. Uh, so as you all know, they tend to be more leading the pack with security best practices. Um, and so being in technology right now feels a lot more like home, right? Uh, where, uh, like, we put forward three uh, really innovative roadmaps um, this year to focus on cloud security, um, zero trust, and um, SSDLC. And I I think that that's that's something that I've really enjoyed is that ability to think more about not just being uh, a three on a one to five maturity scale across the board and that being the end goal, but like having some areas where we're really excited to be a five, you know, um, and really getting to innovate and think about, um, that's the exciting thing right now about product security, right? Is that DevSecOps, SSDLC, however you want to find it, those best practices are being defined right now. We're like living at the time where uh, everybody's figuring out the best way to go about that. And it's super exciting to be in technology uh, and getting to uh, trailblaze in that space. So uh, that, that, that's what's kind of stood out to me is it's been, been really fun being back in that sector. Thanks so much for, for sharing. Uh, Russell, over to you. Thank you. I think, uh, I think we're going to open up for, for audience questions, right? Because, um, Russell, you went already, I believe. Yep. But, good. If you yep. Do, but if you do have another question, feel free. Yeah, no uh, but just, uh, I do see a few new folks in the audience. Uh, you got the little celebration of party hats going on. So welcome to Clubhouse. Welcome to our fireside chat. 
Uh, again, this we do this every Wednesday between 8 p.m. Eastern time to 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. So if you do have a question that you want to ask, Heather, feel free to raise your hand and we will bring you up on stage and you can ask, uh, ask away. Um, if there's no questions, I will pass it back over to any of the mods that want to continue the conversation asking Heather another question. Well, I will take the opportunity. I was going to say, so I, so I have a, I have a five-year-old daughter, right? And so I'm just really curious. Um, what does your daughter think of you? Um, I, so Octavia, I have, I have a 15-year-old daughter and then two, what I call little manimals, they're five and six a little boys. Um, and my, hmm, uh, at times I think my daughter feels pressure by my success. I, when, um, I'm 35 and 10 years into my career and she's, she's seen me since I was 19 and she's watched me grow up. Um, and she's watched that journey um, and she knows that she's been the fire that fueled that journey. Um, and I think uh, she's very proud of me. Uh, she's very grateful uh, for the life I'm able to offer her now. Um, but sometimes I think it's a little bit of pressure for her. Some, uh, so like my... I have to, this is something we all have to learn as managers too. Like as you become higher up in leadership, people hang on your every word. They hang on your tone, right? I deal with a pain management battle and there's been times where I've had to learn to tell people in a meeting, hey guys, I'm having a bad pain day. Um, so that way they didn't in, uh, internalize a tone that I had in that meeting. And it's the same way with my daughter. I have to, um, I have to make sure that she feels, uh, very much so accomplished, um, and that I'm proud of her for her own accomplishments. Um, so I'm like extra cognizant of that. I don't know if that fully answered your question, but no, it does. And so I'm just, you know, always, curious because I, I have an 11 year old son and then I have a five year old daughter and we're always talking about just my uh, desire for them to be successful and so mm -hmm. it's just you know and also also trying to take the pressure off of them as well so I think it's something that we don't think about or maybe we think about because we're parents but maybe sometimes in the industry when we're talking that doesn't come across that we're also parents yeah absolutely Okay, we have uh, we have somebody that just joined us. Uh, Alpana, over to you. If you're new to Clubhouse, just go for the mic. There you go, you got it. I think I'm trying to figure it out. Hi, everyone, and hi, Thomas. Thank you so much for um, including me. I didn't actually know what I was doing, but I was just here to say hi to Heather. Hey, Alpana. Alpana is my, um, she leads Office of Cybersecurity for me, which is Governance, Risk, Strategic Planning, uh, PMO, Metrics, and Training and Awareness. She's a superstar in this industry. 
Um, so Alpana, thanks for the support and hi. <laughs> I was just trying to uh, raise my hand and I'm like, oh, I just got in here. So, 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 so sorry for doing that, but I just want, wanted to come and listen to this fireside chat. It is amazing. Thanks, Alpana. No, yeah, no worries, Alpana. Thanks for popping up on stage and, and giving your, I'll call it a shout out. And Heather didn't, <laughs> didn't say this, but uh, Mods, don't try to steal Alpana. She is, she does sound like she's doing a lot. Uh, very interesting. She's stuff. amazing. I'm not trying to fight Heather, so I think we'll leave her. <laughs> no, she was she was in the military. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, my husband's military, not I. I see it all the time. Any woman that you know went to the military, did what they did, they, they get all respect for me. Yeah, absolutely, and and I know Russell said this earlier, but I just want to repeat it. Heather, thank you for your service. Uh, I really thank appreciate you. it. We do. We really appreciate it. Um, Mike, good to uh, good to see you on stage. Anything you want to ask Heather? Yes. Hi, Heather. Uh, the question I wanted to ask you, it seems like throughout your career, over and over, your manager or, or a mentor, they, they saw something in you and, and opened opportunities up for you. So I, I guess my question is, if someone were to ask your mentors or your managers, what is the secret of Heather's success? What, what would they say? Oh, wow. Um, that, that's a lot harder because in my, in my career, like we talked about in, uh, you know, growing up in a small town, there was never like this calculation to be where I am or even to think, to dream, to be where I am. Uh, so like uh, internalizing what got me here is a little bit more difficult. But uh, I think that my... I, I think I'm an expert translator. So I'm really, really good at listening to the technical engineer uh, and translating to the business executive. Uh, and so I think that that was really key to my success, um, being able to do that translation um, helped set other people up for success. And people appreciate that, right? Uh, I think the other thing I, I would say is just um, a, a focus on operational excellence, right? So like uh, really, I think in today's um, working environment, there can be a pressure to move faster with a lesser quality. But I think I always lean towards slowing down to put together a really, really thoughtful proposal or product or deliverable. Um, and I think that, that that helped a lot, along with kind of what we were talking about earlier and just raising my hand. Once, once you feel comfortable that you understand the inputs, the process, and the outputs of the team or program or domain that you're in, raise your hand to get more involved with a, an adjacent team that you get inputs from or that you provide outputs to, because that slowly illuminates light on your map of understanding of the bigger machine that is cybersecurity and allows you, even if you go back to where you started from, to better target your deliverables and output and support um in the future 
super insightful. Thank you so much for that answer. Can, can I ask you just a quick follow-up question? A any advice on how to, how to become a good translator for, for the rest of us? <laughs> um, I think that it's important to role play, right? <laughs> um, and so like having a strong imagination really helps, but like sitting there and meditating for even five minutes on the background of the person you're supposed to talk to, right? This person is, you know, um, the, um, the CEO, they came up through a strategy and marketing background, you know, like they have no frame of reference on what these tools are or what they mean. The questions that they're going to be asking are, what is the impact of me not doing what you say I'm going to need to do, right? What is the current impact of where we're at? And like being able to put that in terms that they understand through a little bit of role-playing like makes a big difference. Love it. Thank you so much. Uh, love your story. Love your insights. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Mike. And I loved your story. You were my first Fireside Chat podcast. So you were great. Oh, is that right? <laughs> All right. We'll have to connect yeah. on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love to see you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for popping up on stage and asking your question. Uh, and obviously for joining us again this evening. Uh, hopefully I get this right. Tulu or Tolu? Anything totally. you want to ask, Heather? Tolu, yeah, anything you want to ask, Heather? Just unmute. You got to just hit, uh, if you don't know, just there's a little microphone on the bottom right of your screen. Just hit Okay, that yeah, I'm unmuted now. Hey. Hey, Tolu. Hi, Heather. It's so nice to be here, Thomas. Um, this is my first time, and I'm actually joining because of Heather. <laughs> hey, so Tolu. Nice to, yeah. Nice to hear Alpana. Hi, Octavia. Hi, Binga. I'm Olu. Okay, so my question to you, Heather, I know you talked about people that have always encouraged you, right? And I think our relationship since we've been at EY has always been about that. And I see your schedule becomes busier and busier every time. But you talked previously about how you have that 30, 30, 30. I spent 30% mm -hmm. of my time here, 30 here, 30 here. So when you think of spending time with other people, um, to really encourage them, to really um, invest in them, spending time on yourself to be better so that you can always be able to give something, and also spending time on your daughter and your sons, mm -hmm. and also on your husband, how do you divvy that up without feeling guilty about anything? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. Um, first, I think the most important career choice that we make, uh, especially as women, is our spouse, our partner, right? And so I'm very fortunate to have a partner who has supported me throughout uh, my career. Um, he stays at home with the kids, um, and he uh, is always there for me and helps provide that balance to where I know the kids are getting what they need, but also keeps me honest 
uh, when I'm letting work-life balance slip, you know? And so I really appreciate that about him from like a, a tangible perspective with how I do that, uh, balancing of time in my organization. You know, I meet with my direct reports weekly. Um, and, uh, I, I consistently try to meet up with them one-on-one, uh, in person for non-work related stuff, at least quarterly, if not every other month. Um, and, uh, their directs, uh, managers and program managers, I meet with bi-weekly managers and program managers. Uh, I, and this is a little avant-garde, but I invite them to my staff meetings. I may, I feel like their roles are just as important as my directs and they need all the information to succeed in their roles, especially program managers. They're very matrixed. Um, and I want them to feel like they have a direct channel to me. I meet with them biweekly. Um, and then everybody in my organization, when there's a new onboard, um, I meet with them uh, biweekly for the first two months. And if they're an individual contributor, uh, I then meet with them quarterly thereafter. But I find that having that upfront, more intensive cadence ensures that they feel comfortable coming to me if they need something it, it like fully opens that channel of communication and allows me to get to know them on a personal level because the first two months of work isn't really about work you know you're doing a lot of discovery you know you're doing a lot of listening and so that those meetings i really treasure because i'm getting this opportunity to really get to know them right um and that helps me to um be better positioned uh, to support them in our uh, as they get more operationally intertwined. Does that answer your question, Tolu? Yes, it does. Thanks, Ever. Yeah, thanks, Tolu. Thanks, Tolu. Thanks for popping up on stage and asking your question. Jennifer, good to see you. Jennifer, we got to get you on one of these fireside chats. I'm just going to call it out right now. Uh, oh, no. Can you offline? No. But uh, oh, Jennifer, no. anything, any, anything you want to ask, Heather, go Hi, Tomas. Thanks so much. Hi, Heather. This is an amazing story. You're just like giving me shivers. Um, so I'm just hearing a lot of um, just excellence from the beginning, excellence and stamina um, through a lot. And so in addition to that, and your technical excellence, I'm also hearing, which I find to be a really interesting um, combination, is your your EQ and your just maturity, the things that you're talking about, how you work with your teams, how you protect yourself and your teams, and the maturity that you're talking about in um, speaking with your um you know, higher ups, the CEOs and, and kind of looking at it through their eyes and, and what makes sense to them. I mean, we, you know, I'm, I'm much older and we still have problems, you know, communicating with people that way, or I see it in my peers. And also just um, the maturity you just talked about, about listening for your first several months um, in a position to find out what's going on. Where, where do you attribute that? Because I, I find that less something you learned and more innate, but I don't, I'm, where does this all where do you attribute it all that to the, the higher level? Yeah, I, I would say from a maturity perspective, um, just by nature of, of some of the tumultuous circumstances when I was growing up, I, I had to mature really quickly. I was an older child. You know, like I said, my mom was an addict. And so looking out for my little siblings was I'm, I'm really threaded into who I am 
very early. And so uh, I just feel like I carry that everywhere I go. Um, like I, I uh, want to make sure all my little ducklings are behind me and that they're okay. Um, and uh, so some of it is that. Um, some of it I think is um, l- learning about different cultures um, and uh, I've done that in a, in a few ways. Um, like I said, my, my undergraduate degrees in sociology and that teaches you to really uh, assess the social um, forces that are influencing an individual's decision and ultimately teaches you that there is no universal truth around the best way to do anything. And that teaches you to strip down your ego and to approach people with humility and respect. Um, so that was my first introduction to that. And then being in the military, it was like an incredibly dynamic um, and diverse uh, gathering of people that I would have never gathered with, you know, um, otherwise I would have never had this opportunity to work with such a diverse group of people. Um, and, um, you know, then continued reading, right? Like, um, I think I've reread twice now how to be an anti-racist by Ibram X. Kendi, like just continuing to challenge any biases that you have and, um, really tapping into like the authenticity of what all makes us human. Uh, I think we need to focus more on that people component uh, because the technology and process follows after the people, right? Uh, we got to make sure that people are taken care of. That's really, really excellent and insightful. Thanks. That was very meaningful. Mm-hmm. If I could, um, and, and yes, Heather, that was, that was incredible what you just said uh, about the human element. Um, uh, but my, my question is, um, I hope it's not, uh, too controversial, but it's really about the whole idea of failing forward. You've had so many successes and like all of us, there's no way you, you got there without having some, at least a, one or two, uh, good epic failures. What's your, uh, best failure and what, in, in terms of a learning moment that you've had in your career? Yeah. Um, Goodness, I feel like every single project that I was on, you know, in professional services uh, had so, <laughs> like, well, let's be honest, when you're a consultant, you get to, you get dropped in like a SWAT team to some problem that was so hard that they didn't want to solve it themselves. So they're paying an extra premium for other people to do it. And like, you learn really quick that when you don't know how to do something, you just Google it. <laughs> And you muddle through. So that felt like trudging through a lot of um, uncertainties uh, at times. But um, I, I think that um, while I was at the Home Depot, um, there was definitely, like I said, some of those challenges around uh, resourcing. And I remember... I remember, you know, dealing with all of these pressures uh, to 
get these many, I at one point I had 60 projects and 150 people I was managing. So it was a, a lot of pressure and, um, you know, budget constraints are a thing for everybody, no matter if you're a fortune 30 or not. Um, and, uh, I, I think that at one point I let the pressure of that cloud, um, the constraints of the business, right. And, uh, ended up pushing back really heavily on my manager at the time, Steve Ward about, you know, what, what am I going to tell these people if we don't get these resources, but we're committed to these projects, right? Like, um, we're going to have to do the projects anyways. Um, and I think, uh, for me, it, it resulted in one, you know, him being disappointed in, in me not having, uh, empathy towards his situation at the time. Right. Cause he was advocating for us every single day. Um, and a, a period of our relationship cooling off for about three weeks, right. Where we're just like, okay, we need a break from each other. Um, and then us coming back and uh, talking about where the where the expectation misalignment occurred, where the communication failure occurred, um, and uh, <laughs> I think I learned in that that uh, cooling off periods uh, are not the best way to go about it. Like you need to you need to talk through it, right? Because it was very easy once I talked to him to see the pressures that he was dealing with and to see where I went wrong in failing to communicate my constraints early enough or, um, you know, not uh, uh, anticipating some of these decisions. And uh, it allowed us to, you know, get on the same page, but it can be very easy to set your empathy aside um, in periods of extreme personal pressure, right? And the important thing is to remember to go back to the table and have the conversation until you get aligned, until you see each other's perspective. Oh, well, thank you, Andrew, on that. Because, uh, I knew, and I knew you would have an amazing answer. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, I appreciate that insight. Um, it uh, looks like though we had one more person join the stage, so I'll um, pass the mic over to David. Thanks again, Heather. Yeah, cool. Hey, Heather. How are you? Hey, David. I'm doing well. I'm oh, good, good. I mean, I absolutely love this interview with you. I mean, your candor is so um, impressive and empowering. And I, I mean, I just absolutely love it. I, I agree with you on so many things. And most of the people who know me here know I'll automatically stand up for people and mm -hmm. the human part of who we are in technology and that people process in technology the tech the process and technology obviously follows the most important part to people and mm -hmm. i agree with you on failure because i always say you never lose you just learn and but i'm not going to talk about any of that tonight i just wanted to ask how much of the training that you had in the military focused on mission 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 and mission accomplishment lends to your expertise i got here late so maybe you've talked about it already but if you don't mind just please uh, just speak about that one more time please yeah, um, I think where the military's focus on mission comes to play is that you uh, you learn that individual agendas and individual team uh, objectives 
uh, do not supersede the overarching mission, right? And um, so at the end of the day, uh, as cybersecurity leaders, our job is to support the business's mission, right? Like we need to ensure that the business is able to be successful with their strategy and that we're succinctly calling out the highest risk uh, cyber threat scenarios to the business. Um, And those could be simplistic. It could be ransomware. It could be software lifecycle compromise, like what we saw at SolarWinds, right? And ensuring that you're communicating the cybersecurity risk in terms of how it could impact the the business's ability to achieve their mission, right? Um, And I think that we can easily get caught up in squabbles between security and IT, right? Security and DevOps. Um, But at the end of the day, we're we're all there to help the business Mm -hmm. achieve its mission. And uh, it can, uh, if everybody has that mindset, the collaboration uh, is so much more seamless, right? Because it's not subjective, it's objective. Right. Nice. Nice. I'm happy to hear that you are a proponent of dropping as much of your ego as possible, walking in a door and walking in somebody else's shoes from a sociological perspective to just be self-aware, socially aware of all that's uh, around you so that you can feel what the other people are feeling and be you know, an empathetic leader. I think that's great. Thank you uh, for answering my question. And I really appreciate your answers. I'm finished talking, uh, um, moderators. Thanks, Thanks David. David. Yep. Thanks, David. Thanks for popping up on stage and asking your question. Heather, I don't know if we, uh, uh, actually, before I ask you a question, uh, if there's anybody else that wants to uh, sort of jump up on stage and ask, ask Heather a question, feel free to raise your hand and we will bring you up on stage. Uh, Heather, I don't know if I asked, if, if you talked about this, but uh, I'll ask you a question. What are you reading? Yeah, so <laughs> this is a message I actually am very passionate about getting across. <laughs> um, I think that um, that we have a productivity addiction in a lot of ways, right? And so um, I know for me, as somebody with you know the 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 background of being uh, the oldest child child of an addict single mom like feeling like I always have to be productive to take care of other people whether that be at home at work is uh can be a real addiction to me and um I do enjoy reading for self development um but recently I I told myself you know what I really enjoy reading stories and it is okay if I want to soak in the bathtub have a glass of wine and listen to a sci-fi story instead of a management book on how to be better and more productive. And so right now um, I am reading Dune <laughs> because I loved the movie. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. And for me, it's an escape. It, it provides me that, um, that moment of recovery to enable my resilience, right? Because resilience isn't about around the clock endurance to be better, be more productive, right? So I'm going to give an avant-garde answer there and say I'm reading Dune. (laughs) 
Did I lose you, Tomas? No, no, no. I'm, 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 I was about I'm to reel slow, him back. All right, he's back. Slow, slow on clicking the mute button. That's just funny. Um, Mads, any, any, anything else you want to ask Ted? I, I do have a few more questions, but I don't want to get to them just yet. Hi, Heather. It's Lisa Bath again. Um, as a mom as well, what's the number one thing that um, you think being a working mother brings to your children? Yeah, I think for me, it gives them the opportunity to uh, dream about what they can achieve in their career. Um, growing up, I had uh, an amazing grandmother who raised me. We had a very, very um, uh, matriarchal family. Um, and she did everything. It was strong, strong as nails. Like she, uh, we grew up in a hundred year old house and she renovated every square inch of it. She also helped run a business that they owned and, um, she homeschooled us until sixth grade. So, uh, don't get me wrong when I say that, uh, you know, having a worker, working, uh, mother, uh, gives children the ability to dream about the career because having stay-at-home parents, I tell you every single day I try to be half of what my grandmother was um, and and still is today. Uh, so, but I think that um, my daughter uh, sees options in her life. Like she uh, is not prioritizing aspir like. Um, fairy tale ending aspirations of you know ma marriage and prince charming coming to sweep her up off her feet in many ways i was the prince charming for my husband you know so like she's seen that and um and i think she knows that she has this option for uh as much independence and freedom as she wants to have um, and I, I, I think that my sons see, uh, equitability in household management, um, which I think is really important. I, I think not to beat up on the men, but, uh, I think for generations, um, it's been a, a crutch of men that, you know, they work, so they do not need to do as much household stuff or even, you know, weaponizing ignorance of how to do those things. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know how to do it in the first place. And um, so I, I know for a fact that my sons see a dad that knows how to cook, a mom that helps him, uh, and can see that that's a shared task. And I'm, I'm happy for that. That's a phenomenal answer. And, you know, I mean, it's something you know, I grew up and my mom was a stay at home mom and she was like, you can have everything, all of this. And I was like, hold up, hold up a second here. I can do all of the work. And on top of that, be all of the mom that you were. And that just doesn't work out sometimes. <laughs> so it's, it's a tough one to answer. So I'd love your answer to it. Thanks, Lisa. Heather, I have um, one more question for you. Earlier, when you were talking about um, the fact that you graduated from high school early and mm -hmm. kind of why you were trying to kind of, it, it felt like you were trying to escape from the mean girls in the yeah. high school, right? Um, I was talking to one of my mentees a couple of days ago, and we talked about this, um, 
this kind of boom of women supporting women within the last three years. I mean, I think we've always had some women that supported women, but I think in the last maybe two or three years, there's been just expansion of exposure to women supporting women. And I also noticed that, you know, you have women that came that used to work with you that actually came to support you here. What, what did you take from, you know, the, the girls being mean at school and how does that translate into how you kind of deal with um, and, and support women and women supporting you now in your adult life? Yeah, well, I there were two things I took away from my formative years, as one would call it. The, the one was empathy, which we talked about. The second was how important it is to be an includer. I was homeschooled until sixth grade um, and was awkward AF, okay? So, like, I was just, I didn't know how to, I didn't know pop culture. There's still entire periods of pop culture references that I don't get. Um, because I was so sheltered uh, by my grandmother trying to make up for the fact that I, you know, I had these challenges with my my mother, and um, and so uh, I did. I entered public school uh, in seventh grade, which is, as everybody knows, middle school is the worst. It is so awkward, and so I was already extra awkward entering an awkward period. Um, and I, it was very hard to develop formative bonds with girls that have known each other since elementary school, you know, um, and, uh, I, I think that when I walk into the room, I'm always looking for the wallflower. I'm looking for that person that just is quite obviously having their light dimmed by how they're being, how they perceive others, um, inclusion of them right and like I it's <laughs> I remember I went salsa dancing with a, a best friend of mine and the thing I love about her is that her and I both went to this girl that was just sitting there and we coaxed her out to dance you know and like it's just that those are the type of people I want in my life. They're the people that are going to include and help bring out other people's light that sometimes, you know, society or the way other people have treated them has dimmed. And it's like the saddest thing to me. No, I love that. I love it. Um, and it's so important because those are the people that bring so much light to the world. And, you know, you yeah. never know what people are going through. Awesome. Tomas, back over to you. Thanks, Octavia. And look, it is it is uh, nine twenty seven p.m. Eastern time. We are coming close to the uh, to the end of the event this evening. Heather, uh, I do want to ask you. I'll ask you my my typical last question. And and you know that you've you've gone through, uh, and I don't want to call them challenges. I'm going to call them opportunities because I think every every yeah. every step of your your journey has been an opportunity for you to continue to grow, continue to improve, and continue to, you know, evolve, if you will. If you have one piece of advice for the younger, the younger Heather, what would it be and why? Yeah, my advice would be that um, charisma comes in all forms. And it is so easy to look at um, the politician or the typical, you know, white male CEO with this stern, 
you know, decisive disposition and go, that's the type of charisma I need. But charisma comes in vulnerability. Charisma comes in embracing your awkwardness. Charisma comes in storytelling. Charisma comes in an infectious smile. And you don't have to be this, um, you know, atypical uh, character to have charisma and uh, inspire people. That's awesome. I was gonna. I was gonna say. I usually look for the uh, the Latino CEO, and I and I and I try to. No, I'm just playing. Um, but no, that's 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 great advice. Had to look on behalf of myself and the other moderators. Um, uh, you know, I want to make sure that one, we thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your for spending the time with us, sharing uh, everything that that uh, that you have shared over the past hour and a half, being vulnerable and opening up to us. To you know. A, perfect strangers to be quite honest right and, and i know we've we've created this community and it is a safe space for us to have these sort of candid conversations and really get to know each other and build uh build upon not only our, our own networks but also build upon ourselves right uh, and continue to learn and grow so so i really appreciate that um and i really appreciate you sort of opening up and, and talking to us uh moderators any any final words for heather yeah i just like to congratulate you on your success and all the things you have in your life. Great. Thank you to be here. Thank you, Hussein. And Heather, I'd just like to let you know, uh, in our little back channel, we are currently having a virtual arm wrestling over who wants to be your new best friend. So, oh my uh, thank you. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm so honored and I view Bestie as a tier, not a role, so more the merrier. <laughs> Well, I just want to um, let everybody just, know that I that I the, the, I, I I I chatted with Heather first a few months ago. No, no. <laughs> we go wait. No. I thought she was Tomas, I thought she was about to start singing I shot the sheriff with that I I I Ooh Octavia put <laughs> in the, oh, All man. day. Oh I thought he was rap Octavia <laughs> This is being recorded, Octavia, so no dad jokes for me today. Late, late. <laughs> Anyway, Heather, it was an absolute pleasure. Oh, I love this. Thank you, Lisa. And I'll just say, Heather, again, thanks for all the things that were said are so true. And you've inspired me. You've motivated me. I took a lot of notes. And uh, the path that you've been on, the success that you've had, and the people you've helped, and the, the whole, almost a whole lifetime still of making great impact. I, I just can't wait to see uh, what's next for you. This is just so incredible, so thank you. Thanks, Russell, and you guys don't know what your words of encouragement and support mean to me today. Like I said earlier, it was a hard week for me this week. Uh, we have those seasonalities of life, and um, this was just the, uh, you know, the pick-me-up I needed, and it has been every Wednesday getting to join in. So Tomas and moderators, thank you for providing this forum for us all. Absolutely. Thank you, Heather. It was awesome having you. Uh, just thank you for sharing your experiences and your journey. Uh, true, true hero. Thank you. And I'll Thanks, echo. Oh, oh, sorry, Active. No, I'm just going to say, you know, you talked about it being, you know, a hard week. Just know, like, you just expanded to have new friends and new support systems. So definitely, we are here for you. And, you know, you say the tears. I don't, I don't believe in putting titles on people. So if you need anything or if you just need to talk, then reach out. Thank you Thank for being here. Thank you, Octavia. That means the world to me. And I am excited to stay connected.
Yeah, and I actually about to say something similar and just that, um, you know, thank you so much for coming into the space and sharing your story with us. And I wanted to echo what um, Lisa was saying, you know, about our moderator back channel. I was also receiving notes from those in the audience um, today, uh, also saying just how refreshing and wonderful this conversation was for them. Um, and, you know, just, you know, to your point, this, you know, this this space and um, being able to, to hear someone's story um, and to feel like we're, you know, not connected to you as well and so looking forward to having you back in the in the room again and uh, just wanted to let you know that it's not just the mods everyone's saying these things about you so you can go into the rest of your week feeling that i'm feeling pumped up you guys i'm so grateful for this opportunity and um if y'all are like me you're excited about book of boba fett coming out tonight and so hopefully we'll have that to look forward to next i can't wait to watch it and uh shout out to mike sheeran who's in the audience who made the connection between heather and myself so uh thanks for that mike i really appreciate you sort of uh uh, introducing us and and Heather, it's been it's been great getting to know you, uh, and I'm sure we'll have more conversations as we continue to to grow our sort of business and personal relationship uh, as we as we continue to network in, in this field of information security. Um, so look, uh, everybody, next week we mentioned this earlier that we have Tom Ryan who's in the audience, so make sure you come back. Let's let's grill Tom with some really interesting questions. Uh, but joking aside, let's get to know Tom figure out what, what's making him tick. He, he's a very interesting person. Uh, I've been in a few of his rooms, very smart, very uh, sort of uh, scary smart at times. Um, but it will be a really great conversation uh, uh, next week. So please, please, please come back. Uh, again, if you're not a member of our Fireside Chat, click the little greenhouse on the top left of your screen and you can join our Fireside Chat Club. Heather, final words for you. Final words. Oh my goodness. Go into this week. Be kind to yourself so you can be kind to others. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Have a good rest of your week. Cheers. We'll see you back here next week, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Bye, everybody. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Cheers. Bye, friends.